Man, we're nerds. That's confirmed. Lots of good episodes. We got a whole page of good stuff. Cinematic masterpiece. Cinematography. We got half a page of nitpicks. I feel like we've grown as a podcast. Like a fungus. This is good because it makes me think. Just the creativity of putting this together. It's a science experiment. And it's going to be funny. Fun for the whole family. The most professional podcast on the internet. Keep doing whatever makes you a discerning geek. The Discerning Geeks Portal. Welcome back to the Discerning Geeks Portal, the only podcast where we have hosts who can't decide on a rating system, horrible sound effects, get hassled by their voiceover robots, and sometimes take a discerning look into all things geek. I'm Andrew. I'm joined by my best friends, David and Todd. How are you guys doing? Horrible sound effects. Say it once. (laughs) Say it twice. Third time's the charm. Oh, sorry. It's me, David. How's it going? (laughs) Horrible sound effects. What is this all about? I mean, well, they're not great. Um, How dare you? They're really good for freeware soft sound effects. (laughs) Copyright free. (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, yeah, there's good stuff out there. You got to pay for it, and I'm not paying for it. Yeah, exactly. Don't this be dissing on Joanna. She's 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 doing the best no. she can with what we give her. You guys give me crap. Oh. She shows up half the time. She's drunk or hungover. I was only drunk that one time for the Captain America review. I'm only tipsy the rest of the time. She shows up with her ten-year-old nephew all the time. Only twice. I'm hungry. Can we go to Chipotle? Okay, now only three times. You know, she used to bully me back in some of our older episodes. Never. Like episode 72, 73 that we just re-released, re-edited. She was bullying me. She shoved me in a locker. Have you had your eyes checked recently? Oh, okay. Yeah. But you know how she could get away with this stuff, right? Her contract. (laughs) Why did we give her a contract? Hey, you were head of HR. Yeah, that's my point. (laughs) Did you read her contract? No, (laughs) I was too lazy. And unfortunately, I don't think she did either because she's getting screwed over by us and we're getting screwed over by her. (laughs) Yeah, so that's part of the arrangement is that she's stuck with this, but she can also say whatever she wants to us. (laughs) Can't fire and she can't quit. (laughs) Nope. All right, well, uh, I'm excited for this episode. Todd, why don't you tell them what we're reviewing? Okay. Uh, We are reviewing the movie Beetlejuice. Oh, don't say it. If you say it three times, you're releasing. (laughs) I don't don't want to say it one time. I don't want to say it one time. Uh, After young Connecticut couple Barbara and Adam Maitland are drowned in a car accident, they discover they are confined to their large, idyllic country house for 125 years as ghosts. When the eccentric and unlikable Dietz family moves into the house and renovates it in a horrible style, the Maitlands are unable to spook the Dietz family into leaving, leading them to seek out the unorthodox methods of a sleazy, hyperactive, and unstable ghoul known as Beetlejuice. That's twice. (laughs) No more. No more. Uh, the oh. movie we're reviewing is starring Michael Keaton as the title character, <laughs> Gina Davis as Barbara Maitland, Alec Baldwin as Adam Maitland, 
Catherine O'Hara as Delia Dietz, Jeffrey Jones as Charles Dietz, Winona Ryder as Lydia Dietz, Glenn Shaddix as Otho, the interior designer, also starring Sylvia Sidney as Juno, the caseworker, and Robert Goulet as Maxie Dean, the New York City developer. The movie we are reviewing tonight was released on March 30th, 1988, with a rating of PG, which is a little bit surprising because of a couple things in there I might mention later. It was written by Michael McDowell and Warren Scarin, and it was directed by Tim Burton, who also directed the first Batman movie, which we reviewed in episode three of this podcast. And where can you find Beetlejuice? Until recently, it was on Peacock Premium, but apparently sometime in the last few days, it must have switched over to HBO Max, DirecTV, and Freeform. Okay, guys, tell me, what would you think about the movie? First impressions. Uh, I'll be honest, this is another one that I, in some ways, have a hard time reviewing. Because while I do say, I will say that there are elements of it that I find entertaining. There are also, there's a whole lot in it that is really more dumb than entertaining. Mm. And really, I don't know. I may have even mentioned this when we reviewed the first Batman. I am not a Tim Burton fan. I think dude did way too much pot and maybe still is for doing something else. And, you know, that's fine if you want to get high and watch crazy stuff. But for the rest of the world who's out here, it's just not that much fun because we're not on the same trip that they're on. And and so while there are some elements of it that are that are entertaining and fun, I, yeah. There's just a lot of it that's kind of a mess and, and kind of all over the place. That being said, I've probably watched this movie you know, way more than I probably ever should have. I've at least seen it a, several dozen times. Um, and so it's got its entertainment value, but I'm never going to say that it's a good movie. <laughs> what about you, Todd? Okay, so Dave, do you remember uh, the early days of cable TV when there wasn't a Comedy Central yet? There was yes. a Comedy Channel and yeah. another network called Ha. And I don't know if they merged or if one bought out the other one or if one of them failed, but you know, eventually we got Comedy Central uh, out of it. Well, back then, maybe even when Comedy Central came out, a lot of those comedy channels, they, they didn't have a lot of their own material, so they just showed clips from movies. So it's almost like MTV, only instead of showing videos, they music videos, they showed little clips from movies. Well, they one of those channels showed quite a bit from Beetlejuice. So I feel like I've seen certain clips from Beetlejuice over the years over and over and over again. And it, the clips that I did see never really appealed to me. And so I never saw the movie until this viewing for this review. Wow. And so there were some aspects of this movie that I was seeing for the first time and that kind of surprised me. It's like, oh, I didn't realize that it had this in it and that in it. And, oh, it, it feels differently than I than, than I would have expected. And there were actual, actually some parts that I wasn't expecting. I was like, okay, that's that's not too bad. I think I'm kind of okay with that. But then eventually when the movie gets into other things, including, like you say, Dave, some of the dumb stuff and some of the things that I have seen over and over again in, in those classic clips on either 
the comedy channel or ha. Um, yeah, it does not appeal to me either. And I can go into more detail on how it doesn't appeal to me, but this is just not my kind of movie. See, I liked this movie. I remember seeing this movie for the first time like nine months ago. And it was just a classic since then. It's so good. It's so funny. There's there's just too many redeeming qualities for me. Is it a little stupid? Yeah, but that's one of the redeeming qualities. It's a fun, stupid movie that I can make fun of and be like, eh, that's stupid, you know? Does that make me a stupid person? I don't no, know. No, 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 no. Y- y'all, y'all said no a couple of times. Though. I didn't answer because I don't want to be accused of bullying again. <laughs> uh, y'all, y'all, uh, okay, moving on. I mean, you look at this cast, though, and you start off right at the top, and you got Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, Michael Keaton, Winona Ryder, and you're like, wow. What happens? This should be... A top movie all the way around, but sadly, I think we learn sometimes that big name actors don't always make the best movies. So, right. But I feel like it did become a classic, though. Either way, I don't know if that's because of the big name actors or if there's something that y'all aren't seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Either way, I think it's become a classic. But let's talk about that a little more. Let's go deep into the positives. Um, Todd, I feel like you might have the fewest. So <laughs> yep. why don't you go ahead and start us off? Okay. So, yeah, there there are some redeeming things in the movie. Uh, as far as the production quality goes, I was a little bit kind of worried, but then positively surprised by something that happened in the beginning. The beginning of the movie starts off with some kind of 80s style opening credits and kind of an aerial shot over a town. And I don't know if I wasn't paying that much attention or if it was just a really good tracking shot of a really good model. But I never really noticed that it was a model at first. I thought it was a helicopter shot over a real town. It actually looked pretty realistic. And then near the end of that tracking shot, it gets to a hill and a house on a hill. And I was like, holy crap, that looks fake as crap. And then a spider starts crawling over it. And I realize, oh, it's a model. It is it, it not like a model standing in a special effects for a real house. I'm actually looking at a model, which means everything I looked at before was a model. And it didn't look like a model. So I was like, oh, OK, I'm actually kind of impressed by that opening now. So I thought that was kind of cool. I mentioned that there were some things that I wasn't totally familiar with uh, about the movie going into it. And that is the two characters played by Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin, the uh, Barbara and Adam Maitland couple. The clips that I'd seen on TV, uh, on cable TV back in the day, were mostly of the party scene, which concentrated on the Dietz family. So I wasn't that familiar with the Maitlands. And the Maitlands, I have to admit, are actually kind of a fun pleasant couple. Uh, They're sympathetic characters. They make a really good first impression. I actually kind of liked those characters. And so that to me was kind of the thing that redeemed this movie from being even worse is that even though a lot of the stuff with the title character and the Dietzes was unpleasant, the Maitlands were kind of cool. 
and then as far as the pacing, I do have some issues with the pacing in the middle and the end of the movie, the way other things happen. But I have to admit in the beginning, I was kind of impressed. The movie does not waste a whole lot of time getting to the point where the Maitlands have been killed and are ghosts already. Uh, we kind of jumped to that quite quickly. I don't know exactly how long, but it feels like it's like five, 10, 15 minutes in the movie. Not, not very long at all. So that, that piece of the premise gets started right away. Now, other parts of the premise take a while, but I'll get to that later. All right. Um, how about you, Dave? What are your major positives? Um, so some positives. I, so I want to piggyback on Todd first. Yes. I will say that the um, the chemistry between Adam and Barbara, uh, played by Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis, they do so good and they're so interesting and kind of fun that when they introduce the other people, it just kind of messes up the whole flow of the movie. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, now I don't like it as much. They're great. And, and you know, even I mentioned kind of the beginning, you know, this all-star cast. I would say that, you know, throughout it all, the, the quality of the acting is phenomenal. Um, I think that it is pretty high. Uh, even though some of the characters I don't like and some of the other stuff that goes on is kind of just weird. It wasn't due to the acting that it was bad. It was just that's where kind of Tim Burton took the characters. Um, so I don't blame them for that. I think overall they did a great job. Another standout for me, and it's kind of funny before we got on, I think um, Andrew was singing a little bit. The soundtrack is great. And I think that adds to the enjoyability of certain parts of the movie, even more than, you know, maybe what's going on on the screen. You know, it's, yeah, uh, you know, Banana Boat song is, it's just phenomenal and, and it's fun and it's catchy and the way they kind of do it is cool at parts. Todd mentioned the model. I think it is cool that they were able to take something like that. And it was, it was kind of the beginning. You're, you're going down the streets and you're seeing cars and you're seeing this. And then you realize it's a model. And even um, if you go back and watch it again, you'll, you'll notice that it's a model from the beginning, but it's done really well. And it's really hard to pick up on. But then that model is very instrumental throughout the entire movie. Um, it's the reason that they leave the house to go and, and kind of end up sadly meeting their demise um, but, and then, you know, plays a part even towards the end there. Oh, let's, let's, here's a whole model of the town. We can use this as part of the presentation. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. And yeah, there's definitely some pacing issues, but, uh, yeah, that, that would, I will say stick with those as my positives currently. Not bad. Not bad at all. I'll go over some of mine really quickly, uh, or slowly. Um, you already went into the Maitlands, uh, and yeah, they were a really nice couple and I actually enjoyed them. And I kind of agree with you that interrupting their whole dynamic kind of was a bummer, but, uh, what's the kid's name? Dang it. Uh, Lydia, uh, Lydia, Lydia. Yeah. Played then we got Lydia. Which I think actually helped the dynamic between the Maitlands. 
I think Lydia was a fine addition. Made the dynamic a little more interesting. And um, that kind of balanced it out for me. And another one of my positives that I think y'all will find as negatives is Beetlejuice. Oh, you said it once. Don't. Gotta be oh, careful. Okay, I get to it. <laughs> so, um, he who shall not be named is, uh, I actually found him really entertaining. I thought he was hilarious. Was it dumb funny? Sure. But sometimes dumb funny is the best kind of funny. Something I thought y'all would mention is everyone's favorite sandworms. <laughs> I'm a wormist, personally. <laughs> so I thought y'all would go into that a little more. I hated Dune. But the worms were actually not that bad. Speaking of the worms, the whole afterlife, all of it was actually not so bad. Some of it was a little convoluted and just made me ask questions but it made sense and it was cohesive and it worked with the story and actually i wanted to ask y'all how did y'all feel about the afterlife thing you know we got the book of the afterlife right we got all these systems that feel like the dmv you know how did y'all feel about it I wasn't a fan. I mean, there were little elements of it that I thought were done in an interesting way. But that being said, like, and and, I'm, and I guess one little fact that I thought was kind of interesting, you know, you notice all the the workers in the afternight life were were suicides, you know, and it was kind of like that was part of their the way that they portrayed, you know, the afterlife. You killed yourself, then you became a a worker in this DMV of an afterlife. And I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. At least they have some kind of rhyme or reason to what's going on. But overall, it was just kind of a mess. It wasn't that entertaining, I guess, is the thing that I thought of. It was, you know, for me. Like any part that they were in there, you know, I was just kind of like, and almost falling asleep. And so to me, that was kind of a big lull and a big kind of downer. What about you, Todd? All right. Well, first, you mentioned something about the office workers, about how they had all died of suicide. Was it really all of them? Because I know that the main reception, she kind of shows her wrists like she had cut her wrist, but were all the workers supposed to be people that died of suicide? I'm almost positive. I, I either read that somewhere or came across that fact. And cause there's even the guy that's flat, you know, yeah. and, and they like hand him papers. He had basically stepped in front of a bus to commit suicide. They, they were, Oh really? Yeah. Because I knew why he was flat, but I wasn't sure he had done it on purpose. Okay. Well, I kind of find that a little disturbing. And I have more to talk about a little bit later when it comes to suicide and disturbing stuff that, that that's in this movie. But as far as the ghost stuff overall, yeah, it didn't really appeal to me either. It, it's kind of more of that Tim Burton style that, oh, the afterlife is this weird circus funhouse almost of weird colors and weird shapes and, and funky things. And I don't know, that that kind of thing just didn't appeal to me. 
Um, also, as far as the Maitlands, even though I like them as far as people, I thought it was really weird that it didn't totally make sense how they were able to figure out so quickly to do stuff like peel their faces off or remove their heads or to manipulate their faces or their bodies and, and things like that. And I guess maybe it was in that book uh, about the afterlife, but they always joked about how, or not joked, but complained about how that book didn't make a whole lot of sense. So I'm not convinced that that was helpful. And if it wasn't, then how did they learn to do that stuff? It's kind of like, oh, we're ghosts. We can just do it. But wouldn't you have to figure that out? And if they are going to do this thing where they're introducing this ghost bureaucracy, like, uh, you know, there's a caseworker and receptionists and things like that, wouldn't there also be people like trainers or coaches, people who would actually help you get oriented into uh, the afterlife? But instead, it's like the ghosts just know how to do stuff because the ghosts, why wouldn't they? It, so all of that didn't totally make sense to me. So, yeah, I did not like most of the ghost aspects of the, the movie. A lot of that didn't make sense. Uh, it, also, near the beginning, I found myself having to rewind quite a bit to try to figure out stuff that I may have missed. And I can't remember what it was because it's been a, a while since I've watched this because uh, we didn't get to podcast about it right away. But there was something somewhere in there. I think it was during the receptionist scene where I missed it and I kept having to rewind and I finally got it, but it was, I, I don't know. I, to me, a lot of the, that stuff was kind of convoluted. And I'll even piggyback on that a little bit. So they go in there and she just comments. It's like, what's ripping your, cutting your head off going to do if they can't see you. Then they distort their faces and they're going to go scare them. But they still can't see them. <laughs> what's going to be? Yeah. yeah. yeah it's like, what's that's the point? I didn't even think of that. Yeah. It's like, okay, they still can't see you. It doesn't matter that you push your eyeballs out of your head and put them on your fingers. They still can't see it. And so, yeah, I was like, okay, that's so dumb. Why did they do that? Um, okay. Actually, they can see them. And the book of the afterlife says that they won't see dead people or ghosts typically, which means they choose not to see them. But maybe if they get scary enough, they can be seen. Huh? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. Wait. So you're saying that ghosts can only be seen if they are scary enough. But to scare someone, someone has to first see them. How can they be scary enough to be seen if they can't be seen to be scary? And and then there's the whole concept about how Lydia can see the ghost when nobody else can. And it's because she's weird. She's freaky. So I, yeah. So I guess weird people can see ghosts. I, I don't know that that seemed convoluted. Yeah. Not much about it made sense, but I, obviously Dave and I are ragging on the, on this particular aspect. So, so Andrew, what, what do you have that is positive about the, the premise of the ghost stuff? Oh, I just thought it was interesting. It was just, uh, you know, there's this book and even though it didn't make sense, you know, you die and you kind of live in your house and now you get to haunt the house, but there's still people that come through. So that explains like, you know, why there's always stories about haunted houses and ghosts and hauntings. Because there's just people that are just trying to mind their own business and get these people out of their house. You know? I mean, it kind of does. Yeah. But then wouldn't 
pretty much every single house be haunted? I mean, people have been dying for a long time. They're supposed well, to be there for 125 years. You would have to buy a house that no old person's ever lived in. And what about people who never buy a house? Do they haunt their apartment? I mean, there's, yeah, there's just so much there that doesn't make any sense. They didn't say why they came back and have to be there for 125 years. Why do they do they it were in some dolls? To the sandworms. Yeah. Oh, okay, Dave, you actually jogged my memory. That was the part that I kept having to rewind because I thought I missed it, was the whole thing about 125 years. Because they're walking through part of this afterlife area after they've been to the office, and they're talking about how they're stuck in the house for 125 years. And I was like, how do they know that? And I kept having to rewind, where, where are they told that? And finally, I realized, oh, it's the receptionist who just kind of spits it out at some point about how, yeah, you're supposed to haunt the house for, for 125 years. But like you say, there's never a reason why. Also, is it is that unique for them? Does everybody have to haunt their house for 125 years? Is it different amounts of time for different people? Do some people not have to haunt their house? If so, why do they? Yeah, and I'm not sure if any of that stuff was ever explained in the movie. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe it's like purgatory. To me, the interesting part ends up being, again, kind of going back to that original story of, you know, here's a couple that's really in love and they're a cute couple and they want kids, but they haven't been able to have kids. And then kind of in a very strange way, ending up with the the child, the daughter that they, that they always wanted. And that's to me, the, the, the cooler story. Unfortunately, it's only about 20 minutes of the movie. It's like the first like 15 minutes and about the last five or 10 minutes. And that's it. You know, the rest of it in the middle, I don't care that much about. But to me, that was the the best part of the story. Um, Maybe that's just me, you know, being a parent or whatever. I I just I thought that was a a cool way to to kind of tell that story. But I didn't need a whole lot of the rest of the stuff in the middle. It just didn't appeal to me at all. So, but let's be real. A movie about a family getting a daughter is not going to turn as many heads about a family that gets run off the road, dies, become ghosts, has an interaction with sandworms straight out of Dune, and then has to deal with the human exorcist of the after. (laughs) No, no. I mean... I get more tickets. Let's be real. I really like the the thought spin. You know, I think it's a great way to spin. You know, a, a movie. You know, the the couple you know dies and goes through all kinds of stuff in the afterlife to finally end up with the daughter that they always wanted. I think is a phenomenal spin. I just wasn't impressed with the way Tim Burton spun it and <laughs> didn't enjoy that that much. It wasn't that much of a fun trip for me. Well, and I can take that a step further and say I didn't like the concept in the first place. Now, Ooh. I like it up to a certain extent in that it is an extension of the pleasantness of the Maitland couple, as we've already talked about. 
And yes, they were wanting kids. And so they kind of sort of got it. But that's also kind of weird because it's not their kid. And she's already a teenager. So it's not like they got to raise her. She's got parents. Granted, they're terrible, but they're still parents. They So, I mean, it just seemed weird. They, it got to that part of the movie that was already you know, unpleasant, uninteresting, not very funny in all kinds of other ways. And then the supposedly happy ending is supposed to be that this teenage girl gets a second set of parents, which is fine, but it's not like they replaced the first set of parents. And then you got to wonder, are the first set of parents, her actual biological parents, are they okay with these ghosts being around, almost being like a second set of parents? And it's like, okay, I guess I'm kind of happy for the girl that she's got a couple of people that she can look up to. And I guess I'm kind of happy for the ghosts and that they have something, somebody that they can root for and everything. But it's weird because they're not family. It, you know, it would have been better if somehow these ghosts had taught a lesson to the real parents and the real parents had become better parents, but we don't get any of that. I, I, I'm left feeling just kind of weirded out by the ending than feeling like it's super happy, pleasant or anything. Okay. So we've kind of already leaned into negatives. So how about we just go all the way? Todd, would you like to go ahead and tell us your negatives? And I feel bad that we're going into negatives this quickly <laughs> when uh, when I'm sure you got some more positives, Andrew. Oh, it's okay. I'll save it for lightning round. So when it comes to the overall premise and getting the the house to the, the Dietzes, it seems weird to me that the Maitlands don't have some kind of next of kin who might inherit the house or, or something. It, it, there's not even anybody to get any of the possessions out of the house. It's like this Dietz family are able to come and just buy the house as is, even with all the possessions in it. And that just seems weird. You think there would have been somebody who would have come through and maybe sold off the furniture or something there again, I guess if, if it, there's nobody else it can go to, then maybe whoever buys the house can just get the furniture along with it. I, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but you think there'd be some kind of inheritance somehow. So there's this dinner scene that we might talk about later. And that's kind of the, the thing that kept getting repeated on, on that comedy channel back in the day. And after that happens, this Dietz family is so weird that they're actually impressed by it instead of freaked out by it. And so they want to turn the town into some kind of uh, theme park about ghosts and I'm thinking, okay, so this this family is already kind of annoying. They're not great parents. And on top of everything else, they're so naive as to think, hey, after one, one brief encounter with ghosts, let's turn the town into a ghost-related theme park as if we can get the ghosts to participate. I'm thinking, how stupid and unrealistic are these people? I know it's a comedy but that stretches credulity way too far even to be funny in a comedy. So I just thought, okay, this the whole concept of this movie is just off the rails at, at that point. And then I've got more, but I'll let Dave take a turn. I guess my biggest negative is that it felt like a Tim Burton film in that, you know, when you get to the sandworms, when you get to the afterlife when you get to the part where, you know, Beetlejuice is doing the wedding, you know, it's it, it the imagery felt like a Tim Burton film. It felt mm -hmm. like James and the Giant Peach. It felt like 
um, Edward Scissorhands. It felt it felt like all of them. They, they felt the same. Um, and it didn't make sense. It didn't flow. It didn't. It didn't fit. It was almost kind of like trying to mash a cartoon with the real life world. And maybe that's his style. And, and I know that there are people out there that like it and that's fine. Again, we're discerning geeks. If you like it and that's what, you know, trips your trigger, then go for it. Enjoy it. For me, it's hard for me. It almost breaks that level of of believability that I like to get drawn into a movie. I like the kind of that realism and all of a sudden it's, and it's, cartoon and 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 weird and so it it breaks that flow for me and kicks me out of the enjoyability because i'm trying to to immerse myself into the movie it kicks me out of that immersion and so that's my biggest negative and again like i said not against anything against anybody that enjoys that it's just it's definitely not my style i'm I, I don't watch Nightmare Before Christmas. Don't care about it. Don't. Yeah, there's, there's not anything out there really that he's done that I can rave about. Um, but anyways, that's my biggest one. That's a problem with me too with some movies. Uh, this movie, I was able to look past it. When you just make something too dumb and goofy. It gets to the point where you just can't take it serious. You just can't watch the movie. It's just stupid. It's not funny dumb. It's just dumb. And no one wants to watch a dumb movie. I mean, I think, Dave, that you're way more inclined to the super smart thinking movies, you know, like uh, National Treasure. You're smart. That's right. Yeah. The movies where there's a lot more... Um, I did see a fact, and I think this was on IMBD, that the visual effects budget was just a million dollars, and that that was one of the major factors in Tim Burton deciding to make the effects, and this is a quote from IMBDB, as tacky and B-movie as possible. (laughs) So I don't know if Tim... I don't know if Tim Burton was intentionally making them tacky in B-movie or if this is IMDb's interpretation of why he made them. And I quote their, their, their lines, not mine, tacky and B-movie. But that's what they said about the special effects. Go ahead, Tom. Well, I think I saw something similar somewhere. I don't know if it was IMDb or Wikipedia or somewhere else. But yeah, I saw something implying, if not, yes, him confirming himself that the production quality was meant to be kind of cheap in a way that that some of that was intentional, not accidental or the uh, result of budget issues or anything like that. See, for me, that's not the hugest negative ever because, you know, I can find it, you know, I can humor it. I can humor the idea like uh, Kung Pao. You know? <laughs> that's about as tacky and B movie as a movie can get. And that was that's like one of my favorite most favoritest movies of all time. 
Oh, wow. It's the karate co- well, uh, cow. Yeah, it was. The, 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 it's when they started smacking each other with the udders and stuff. <laughs> Rolling babies downhill. <laughs> stuff like that. I enjoy stuff like that. I Stupid funny is still funny to me. I can see why other people might not like it so much. Nothing wrong with that. But I like some stupid funny stuff sometimes. As long as it's not too stupid, then we have a problem. I'm sorry. I was distracted by a Brie Larson video on TikTok. Did Andrew just say he enjoys rolling babies down hills? I hope I missed some context there. Yeah, I just think that the special effects still worked with the movie. It it all just kind of worked together, you know? I wouldn't have wanted huge, realistic special effects for this kind of movie. This is a B-movie. It is always going to be a B movie. Go ahead. Dave. Yeah, I, I guess I can support you there and say that, yeah, they weren't that good, but yes, they fit for what the movie was. Okay. Todd, you have another negative. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we haven't even talked that much about the title character himself. And to me, he is annoying, over the top, vulgar. Uh, I know that that is supposed to be part of the point. And I'm sure that some people found it funny. It just, it didn't work for me. I I don't know why it just, it just didn't. And I think it's because, like I said, I was kind of pleasantly surprised by the Maitlands and they kind of made at least a portion of the movie somewhat pleasant by extension. And, and, you know, it was sympathetic and, and I could kind of get into that and Beetlejuice just comes in and anything that is remotely cute about the movie just kind of goes away uh, once his character takes over. He has all kinds of sexual innuendos, sexual gestures, and he even says the F word once. And that is something that I was implying during the rundown that I found it kind of weird that this gets a PG rating when it had the F word. And for one thing, it's weird that it's still PG because of the F word, but then also the F word is there only once. And I'm like, really just take out the one F word and then you don't have to worry about it. It's like, it just kind of taints the rest of the movie. I mean, the movie, I mean, yes, even with the sexual innuendos and gestures, they're kind of more indirect, but the F word is just kind of so blatant. And it's just, and and it's not that I'm being a total prude about it. It's just that it didn't seem to fit. It's like they needed to either go bigger with it and say, all right, let's make him really disgusting and let's punch this up to PG 13 and he'll say it more than once. But then to say it once, why not just take out the one and then it's more kid friendly? I I don't know. It just it was weird. But then that whole issue with decency kind of takes a few extra steps because I've already talked a little bit about the the ghost that died because of suicide. It's also really weird to me and even a little bit disturbing that this Lydia character, who is kind of the the third sympathetic character in the movie, uh, she's literally writing a suicide note and mm-hmm. another character berates her because of repeated suicide attempts as if it's something that it's, an, that is annoying. It's not annoying. That's something you should be concerned about. And the fact that they're just kind of making jokes about suicide, I don't, I, that, I don't know. It just wasn't funny to me. It, it, I just, to me, there's just nothing comical about that. Um, and then somewhere along the way, one of you mentioned the wedding thing at the end. So out of nowhere, for reasons that don't make any sense, Beetlejuice is trying to marry a teenager. Yeah. Again, I guess I don't like that the stuff that's in this movie not only is kind of 
gaudy and over the top and not very funny, but that also some of the stuff that is in the movie that is supposedly supposed to be funny is based off of like over the top indecent stuff. You've got to be really skilled to get away with that. Uh, I think that the writers of uh, the uh, uh, Deadpool movie kind of sort of get away with that. But Dave, if you'll remember when we did our review, even I was halfway in between. I was like, yeah, some of the stuff in this movie is vulgar just for the sake of being vulgar. And some of it is witty. And you were like, that's all vulgar. And then Dave T was like, ah, it's actually pretty witty. I was somewhere in the middle it, with this movie. I'm not in the middle. I just feel like the stuff that was there just, it, it I don't know. It just wasn't funny. It wasn't amusing. And some of it was even disturbing. Yeah. And that actually reminds me of one of the other, kind of problems I've had. And I've mentioned this, I don't know how many times. And I, I think it's writers sometimes trying to be creative and come out with a movie that, that, you know, covers several different things, right? I want to write a horror comedy or a horror sci-fi romance. And, and sometimes to me, that's it's very, very hard to do. There are a few that have pulled it off. All hell, Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> but if you don't pull it off, it always leaves me feeling like, well, I don't even know what to call this movie. Is it a comedy? Is it supposed to be a horror? Is it supposed to be, you know, what is it? What is it supposed to be? And because I don't know what it's supposed to be, I don't feel like I enjoy it very well. You know, I didn't laugh like it was a comedy. I wasn't scared like it was a horror movie. It just, it didn't, it left me kind of like going, well, what is this supposed to be? And it didn't pull that out. So more times than not, I don't like movies that try to, you know, kind of do that. Oh, well, it's a horror comedy. It just doesn't work. And if you're going to be do one, do one. If you're going to do the other, do the other and just stick with what you got. Um, because if you don't pull it off, then it, it just leaves things out there. Yeah. I had forgot about a little bit of the creep factor that he's trying to marry this, you know, teenager. Um, so yeah. he can, I think he says it's so he could become back to the living or not be in the afterlife anymore. It didn't make any sense. Um, but again, they kind of played pretty fast and loose with, we're just going to kind of make up rules for these undead people and, and what's going on just to fit what we need in the scene at the time. And it wasn't very cohesive. I had mentioned earlier about the suicide and apparently it's in the scene at the dinner party. Otho had the book for the dead. And he mentions that uh, people who commit suicides end up as civil servants in the afterlife. Okay. And so the civil servant ghost that we see, um, and even Juno, Juno looks normal. But if you look closely, um, there's cuts on her throat where you can see that she slit her own throat. And even Beetlejuice is supposed to have been um, a civil servant uh, because he was Juno's assistant. And it's hinted when Beetlejuice is surprised at Lydia wishing to die. It is kind of weird that they 
played that up so much. And, and see, I didn't catch that about Juno. I thought the reason that she had smoke coming out of her neck was because of throat cancer. Nope. And then I thought that's how she died. I didn't realize that it was a, it was her cutting her own throat. So see that that's also disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, which I know that when you're dealing with ghosts, you're dealing with people who are dead and they had to have died somehow. And yes, suicide happens, but I, I don't know. That's just, it's not funny to me. And you gotta, like you said, you gotta really do it right. If you're going to find a way to make it funny. And to me, they, they, they didn't do it. Some of my negatives um, are just little tiny nitpicks that I'm leaving for lightning round. So most of what I have left are more like not so much issues or problems as much as they're kind of neutral issues or, or questions I have, like where things don't make sense. Uh, but I still feel bad that we went so negative so quickly when, when Andrew likes this movie and might have more positive to, to, to say about it. I, I, so Andrew, do you, before, before we kind of finish up, is, is there anything more positive that you want to say about the movie? Cause I, I feel like we've kind of steamrolled you. I just like the cartoonish value. Um, I enjoy Beetlejuice. I enjoy some of the jokes that are made. Uh, sure, there are some that are a little too crass, but it's just the comedy and there's just enjoyment value to me. I can always put this movie on and just, I'll have a good time. I'm always entertained while I'm watching it, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. I enjoy the couple. I enjoy Beetlejuice. I enjoy the daughter. Um, I enjoy the jokes. I enjoy, you know, the haunting, you know, when they're trying to kick the family out themselves. I enjoy when Beetlejuice is getting introduced and it's just I chaos. I think you've said it three times already. Oh. Uh, <laughs> he's here. Um, yeah, but it, it's just, uh, it, it's a little dumb, but, you know, sometimes I like a little dumb. Sometimes it just, it, it helps me relax. It helps me get a giggle, you know, and that's really what I look for in my movies. Just pure, raw entertainment value, making sure I don't get bored while I'm watching it. Does that equivalent me with a less intelligent person? Maybe. No, no, no. Maybe. No, but your math I, I scores do. <laughs> Even to a guy like me, that's cold. Wow. <laughs> That was wow. not okay. <laughs> I have a C. It's a C. Uh, C, as in could do better if you just apply yourself. Okay. It's not that bad. <laughs> it's just a C. <clears throat> Says he who was grounded right. because of his math score. <laughs> All right, we're I, moving on to lightning round. Did, did any of oh, you guys know that there was once a Beetlejuice cartoon or Beetlejuice the animated series that lasted four seasons? I think, yeah, I think I saw that somewhere and I vaguely remember it too. <laughs> I never watched a single episode, so I can't say anything about it, but I did see that there was one. I was I like, huh. like, well, I guess it's just like the adventures of Beetlejuice. That might actually be interesting see all the people he tried to help out can i fit in my neutral stuff real quick yeah go for it oh yeah go ahead okay these are well in a way these are kind of negative but it's more like they're they're not super negative it's more like i just don't get it but all right beetlejuice himself just doesn't make sense so he can partially access the real world through the model by offering a candy bar to a live animal i can't remember if it was a 
a mouse, a spider, a cat, but there was some kind of real life animal that was near the model. And he was already in the model and he was trying to offer some kind of candy bar or some kind of snack to the animal, but he can't do more until summoned. But then when he is summoned for the first time, instead of him getting big, the Maitlands just shrink down to his size. So how is that summoning him? Uh, From there, it's not even like that gets him out. They have to dig him out of the model even though he was already able to reach his hand out of the grave to offer the the food to the animal, they had to dig him out of the model, uh, which it, now production quality wise, that was kind of kind of cool looking because they were actually digging him out of not grass and dirt, but like whatever the, the model stuff w- was made out of. But they were having to dig him out of that. They don't fully hire him. But I assume he's the one that's doing all the stuff at the dinner party. So even though he's not hired, he's still accessing the real world. So how? And then it's weird that saying his name three times again unsummons him, but that just shrinks him down again. It doesn't actually get rid of him from the real world. It's like the rules about him just don't make sense. Also, as far as saying his name three times, when does that reset? Let's say you say his name twice today, but then say his name once tomorrow. Did it reset or is tomorrow's uh, name uh, saying, is that the third time? It's like, when, when do you start over? So all that didn't make sense. And then also there was a football team that supposedly died in the movie. And I, I might've missed it. Maybe it was explained better than this, but I thought it was said that they died in a plane crash. Now, if so, Why were they wearing their uniforms and helmets when they were in a plane crash? The only other thing I can think of is that they weren't in the plane, but maybe a plane crashed on the field. But I'm not sure that that's ever clarified. Maybe it was. And maybe since I was at the end of the movie, maybe I just missed it. But that whole thing was just confusing. And it kind of added to the convolutedness of the whole afterlife scene in the office. Okay, that's all I had. That's all you have? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, I noticed that the football. I, I, th- I thought it was a bus accident, but it was either bus or either way. You're like, oh, why are they in their maybe football? So, maybe so. <laughs> why are they in their uniforms? Um, I did see, you know, because my other question was, you know, the deep, not the deets, um, to the the Maitlands, the Maitlands show up in the afterlife, and everybody is in the same state as when they died. Mm-hmm. Except they're not wet, but I did see a fact that said yeah. basically they felt like that making them wet the entire movie would have been miserable, <laughs> and yeah, so they decided, yeah. 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 So I, I have to give a pass on that because if I hadn't have seen that, I, that was one of the questions I always ask: like, why aren't they wet? They they drowned, but yeah, that made sense. They, even for that one scene, it probably still would have been, you know, because then you would ask later, why well, why aren't they still wet? Because they're dead. You know, they should be wet all the time. Andrew. Take us to the next step. Uh oh. Did he get grounded off the podcast? My mic was muted. Oh. <laughs> he did. He got grounded. It was sad. Was that because of your English grade or what? No, I'm just kidding. Jeez. Oh, dude. Come on, man. I mean, it's like, come on. This is worse than National Treasure. You know what? Okay. You know, pull out your dice and let's roll for initiative for later. Okay. Lightning round. Nineteen. Nineteen. Okay. Oh, my re-roll is twenty. Twenty, baby. 
I got a five. Ooh, a 21. No, I'm just kidding. 12. (laughs) Ah, crap. I'm going first. Does that make it Todd me, Dave, or Todd Dave me? Nope. Todd you, Dave. Okay. But you, Dave. I'm Dave. So, Todd you, me. But it's also Todd me, you. Yeah. But. Todd goes first. You go second. Okay. I'll go last. Yeah. <laughs> this is okay. All right, here I go. Ready and go. How can anyone sane think that that's a good way to decorate a house? The dinner party scene is annoying. The sandworm is terrible. The Beetlejuice snake is also terrible. Uh, as far as pacing, it's over 45 minutes into an hour and 32 minute movie before the couple finally encounter Beetlejuice. Uh, it's an hour and 18 minutes into the film before Beetlejuice is finally fully unleashed. Uh, overall, this movie uh, has way too slow a build and way too fast resolution. And that's all I've got left. Three, two, one. Nice. Okay. Say it once. Uh, Andrew? Say it twice. Okay, go ahead. Oh, actually, you know what? I might have said it several times. I don't know. You did. It's just a movie. It's just a movie. We're not going to really summon it. Stop it. Okay, Andrew, you ready? Yup. And go. Day-o. Day-o. Daylight come and one go day. It's a day, it's a day. Daylight come and me want go home. Work all night on a drink of rum. Daylight come and me want go home. Come on, Dave. Stack <laughs> banana time on me. Young son. Daylight, Daylight come and me want go home. Go, Mr. Tally Man, Tally Me Banana. Go, Mr. Tally Man, Tally Me Banana. Go, Mr. Tally Man, Tally Me Banana. You need to mess up some of those chords intentionally so we don't get some kind of copyright strike or something. Yeah, I messed up all of them. Yeah, it was intentional. Right, 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 right. He was trying to keep it fresh, you know. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Got to keep it hip and cool, you know. Avoid the copyright, yeah. All right, my turn. Yeah. You're done. Okay, ready? I'm ready. And go. Uh, Piggybacking on what Todd said... Not only does it take about 45 minutes before you even get to Beetlejuice, for a movie with his name on it, he's only in the movie less than 15 minutes of the whole movie. Um, That and if you actually listen to the Banana Boat song, while I love the song, it's very entertaining. It's actually a little scary. It's about people stacking bananas on a boat. And this is their like almost slave labor job. They stack them up. But they also have to watch out for the big tarantulas that live in the bananas because if they bite them, they're going to die. Okay. I quit. <laughs> wow. Did, did you just, did you ruin my banana song? <laughs> what? That's why they're watching out for the big tarantulas. <laughs> that, that was such a happy song. I, it took me like an hour to learn that song. <laughs> you just ruined the song. <laughs> You're welcome. 
Um, <laughs> while, Andrew, while Andrew cries over the song, we will get to the rating section of our show. Ratings. Unfortunately, I think... No, Todd goes first. So we can give Andrew a little time to cry. <laughs> and I don't have too much to say as far as summing up this movie. I, I, I think I've already kind of made it clear. The few things that were actually kind of sort of pleasant that I said at the end, or, or the, excuse me, the beginning. And then nah, nothing else about the movie really worked for me. I, I, but I also can't say that this is a big ball of nothing because it kind of went a little bit worse than that. So sadly, I know I'm kind of a grump lately given some low scores, but this is another one. I'm going to give this one a D plus and it ends up being 70th out of 75 movies that we either have reviewed or will review soon. So this is just outside the bottom five. That's pretty low. Andrew, have you recovered to be able to give your rating? No, I'm never recovering from that. (laughs) I learned a guitar song about slaves on a boat. I thought it was innocent. I thought he was on vacation or something. Uh, Okay. Um, I like this. They work all night and all they get is a drop of rum. (laughs) It's a A shot of rum. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I, I, I like this movie. I like its soundtrack, but maybe not anymore. Um, I like the humor. I like I've got it's got some rewatch value. I just really like it. It's really entertaining. I'm never bored when I watch it. Uh, I could watch this movie anytime, night or day, and I could watch it all night on a drink of rum. But. Uh, <laughs> Probably not a good idea because I'm grounded and I'm underage and don't want to get in trouble. So I gave this movie a 92. So oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's really good. good. That's wow. I told you I like this movie, man. That's high. It's dumb fun. It's dumb funny, but I like dumb funny movies. It's uh, okay. It's almost up there with the Kung Pao. Almost okay. Um, I guess it's my turn. And I think I stated this at the beginning. I hope I stated it at the beginning. I do still have a hard time rating this movie because as much bad things as I talk about it, I have watched this movie quite a few times and I still find it entertaining at points. There are points that I kind of know are coming up and I just kind of, that's when I go to the bathroom or go get a drink and just kind of zone out and don't really pay attention to it. Um, but I enjoy, I, you know, there are also scenes that when I kind of know they're going on, I kind of come running. I think Todd didn't really like the uh, dinner party scene where they're doing the day and I think that's a fun scene. Um, it doesn't actually show oh, the person whose the movie is named after, who I'm not supposed to name, but I think I've already said it three times, so it probably doesn't matter. Um <sighs> But it's fun the way that they kind of spin them around and 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 possess them and make them do things and and they're dancing and I'm like that's kind of cool I kind of think that's funny. Um, I didn't like the part where he's like his arms 
roll out and inflate into things and mm. but then he I, that that that's when it gets to the point where i'm like i don't care um but that being said I, i'm gonna give it a seven out of ten so it, it's wow. still got some entertainment value it, it's you know it's definitely higher than than that d range so i think that uh Todd has, but uh, I'm definitely also not w- up there with um, Andrew on on really it being kind of one of my favorites. It's 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 there and it has some entertainment value, and I think people who enjoy Tim Burton and enjoy the way that he does things are going to love it. Um, and I think there are things that you know can be enjoyed. Uh, I do love the banana boat song as much as I get, even after I found out all the dark history of it and what it's actually about. I still think it's a great song. It's on my podcast, on my, not my podcast, on my, uh, um, like I Apple playlist. So on, on quite a few playlists. So yeah. I, I like the song so much that I learned it on guitar and then someone ruined it for me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where I'm, I'm at. So yeah, seven out of 10. And Dave, you're talking uh, some about the amount of time that that the main characters even in the movie. That seems to be a trend of 80s movies of showing mm-hmm. the not necessarily hero, but it protagonist, whoever the yeah. main or title character is supposed to be showing them as little as possible. And I think I can't help but wonder is some of that budget restraints uh, because the main character is usually somebody who's in some kind of superhero costume or needs some kind of special effects or there's some type of hero where they can fly or something like that. And there's only so much of that that you can do in an 80s movie because of budget and or how good the special effects can actually pull something off. Uh, Because it's like that with Batman, um, Predator. um, I don't know. I can Alien. alien, Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Alien. So uh, all these type of movies – they can only show that the the creature or the ghost or the or the hero so much um, that I think it might be a product of its time, but it's still a problem for me no matter what because I I'm not one of those people who automatically give '80s movies a pass just because they're '80s movies and I grew up in the '80s. Uh, I'm one of those that look at it like, okay, I'm older now. It's not the '80s. Does it hold up now? Oh, it doesn't. Even if it was better back then, it's not that great now for you know, reasons A, A, B, and C. But but it, it seemed like that might have been a trend back then. Now, there again, there are some movies that are still good despite that, like Batman and Aliens and, and let me see, Predator. I, I wasn't big on Predator, but I know a lot of people are. Uh, like some, Yeah, it, but some movies you can just get away with that in, and it, especially if you do kind of forgive it a little bit for being the 80s. But with this one, I just, I, I couldn't quite cross that line. Well, there again, like I said, the title character I did not like and I found him annoying. So in a way, I'm actually kind of glad we didn't get more of him. But I did find it an oddity that there wasn't more of him when Dave, like you said, the the movie is named after him. Why is he not there? for? Yeah. (laughs) And the reality is we don't learn that much about him. I mean, he's pretty much a peripheral character. It's not like we're the whole movie is about his backstory or his origins or anything like that. We literally get like a line here, a line there, and that's it. We know almost nothing about him. Um, yeah, he, he's a guest star in his own movie. Yeah. Um, all right, so I have a question before we get to our 
role for the portal of insanity or discerning portal of craziness that we have to roll. I have one in mind. I don't know if anybody else has one. Mix kind of scary ghost story, um, comedy. I mentioned Ghostbusters. So without Ghostbusters or the Ghostbusters franchises in the, anything in the Ghostbuster league, you know, do you have a, or I don't even want, to, maybe it doesn't even have to be a comedy. We're almost at Halloween, right? Do you have a go-to movie that you kind of like to watch to give you a little bit of spook, or maybe it's about ghosts or about, you know, something that you have to watch at Halloween? Um, I know Dave had a bunch. We miss you, Dave. He would have watched, this was his time of year. He would watch all of the Halloween movies and Freddy movies and Jason movies and all that. Do you have a, a go-to at Halloween that you want to watch? I think I know Andrews because he's mentioned it before or mentioned it. Um, yeah. Do you want me to go ahead? Yeah, go ahead. Um, for me, it's always, always, always Fear Street All 2. Right. <laughs> or just the Fear Street franchise in general. But if I only have enough time for one, I pick Fear Street 2. Okay. It's just, I love me a good axe murderer. And I love me a good camp. I love me good uh, possession witch stuff. It's kind of complicated. But it's a good movie. I like it. Todd, anything? This probably doesn't come as much of a surprise, but I got nothing. You got nothing? Nope. Mine are a little weird. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the, like, shock horror movies. I just don't like them that much. Um, that being said, I'm not above a scary movie, and I enjoy some movies with some ghosts in them. I sat down with the kids and actually watched a, a blast from the, it's actually 1980, I think the movie was made, um, called The Watcher in the Woods. And it was actually a Disney movie that borderlined on horror and rated PG so even the kids could watch it but definitely had its its scary moments and it's one that I enjoy watching during Halloween time especially with the kids because it's got just enough scary in it but yet at the same time it's it's not super scary no blood and guts and gore um, and it has a kind of a little sci-fi twist at the end with the story so uh, so if you haven't watched that I highly recommend it. And then if you want a top notch, and I guess this would be my recommendation to Andrew to go uh, tonight and watch a movie. If you want a, a funny ghost movie better than Beetlejuice, watch the movie high spirits. It's another one of my favorites. It's on Pluto TV. Um, I think Watcher in the Woods is on YouTube and it's free to watch. You can just go and pull up YouTube and watch it. So, yeah, those are my, my Halloween recommendations. Uh, one is scary, but it's still good for kids. The other one actually is is kind of a romance with ghosts. And it's kind of got some weird stuff in it, but... Uh, it's less appropriate for kids just because it's got some lovey-lovey stuff in it. 
that you don't want to have to explain, uh, but is, is, is a better kind of romance with the ghosts than, than Beetlejuice. Um, don't remember, don't remember, <laughs> goodness, please remember, listeners, we need your help to spread word about our podcast, and you can do that by rating us on whatever platform you listen to our podcast on, comment, make sure that people see it, uh, follow us on like Podchaser or any of the, the places that you can get a podcast we would love your help so we can raise our rating and more people would know that we're out there and they can come and listen to our podcast. And as always, if you have comments on this show, or if you maybe have a show, a movie that you think is even better at kind of that fun Halloween uh, vibe, but maybe with a comedy twist, send us your recommendations at to discerning geeks at gmail.com on Twitter at Discerning Geeks and on Facebook, the Discerning Geeks portal. And Todd's been doing some cool stuff with our Facebook, kind of even some retro um, highlighting some old episodes, things like that. And so, yeah, follow us on Facebook and that way you'll get the, the, the lowdown on what we're talking about on our podcast. Did I miss anything guys? Wheel of insanity. Yep. We're ready for the wheel. Who's rolling tonight? I've got my dice. Go for it. Todd, okay. you got our spreadsheet. Yep. Roll my dice on a drink. Go wrong. 51. 51. That's right in the middle almost. Oh. Uh-oh. All right. Oh, no. Finally, oh, no. a TV episode. Yeah. Go, Mr. Todd, man. Todd, me dice. Okay, yeah, number 51. All right, so that is top 10 favorite sci-fi fantasy horror TV single episode stories. Oh, and single TV, episode. Yeah, okay. and, and TV movies. So, yes, I it, it always gets tricky with me when you make lists as to, you know, if you've got a two or three-parter, how do you do that? Do you lump them together as one item or do you keep them separate? So this is single episode stories. Now, if you still want to do two-parters, that's fine, but they've got to be separate. So let's say both episodes are good. All right, they both need to go in the list. They both need separate slots. But this is really intended to be more about stories that really are told in either a single episode or even if they are double-length, they're actually shown as a TV movie as opposed to like a a two-parter that might have been spread over a season, like a cliffhanger or something. Uh, but there again, if you do feel strongly about one or both episodes of a two-parter, like I said, as long as they're they're separate. But yes, this is top 10 favorite sci-fi, fantasy, horror, TV, single episode stories, or TV movies. Hmm. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be so fun. It's going to be tough keeping it down to 10. Um, do you guys agree with that, that it might be tough keeping it down to 10? Because I don't mind expanding it. If that's the challenge, but there again, with all of the TV items that I put on the list, I did keep them just simple at top 10 because Andrew, I, I keep having to remind myself, you haven't been alive that long. So I don't know how much TV oh. you've watched it. I don't know if you've been alive long enough to watch enough TV to have a list that goes beyond 10. But if you do, I don't mind making it a top 15 or, or a top 20. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. That'll okay. be fun. Sci-fi. Fantasy, horror, horror. Yeah, 
Which is perfect timing, by the way. Yeah, it, it could be, but I mean, these this lists will be might skew. Yeah, this will be another month before this probably release. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like to watch them, it would be perfect time. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. That's going to be tough. I don't know if I have 10. I'll have to do some oh, rewatching. <laughs> well, think about this. Surely you could come up with a top 10 list of shows and then just think about the best episode from each one of those shows. And and in doing that research, you might find, well, wait a minute, this one show has three awesome episodes. Well, then you might have to kick either kick out some best episodes from other best TV shows, or that's when we could expand the list to 15 or 20 if you want to. Okay. I can try. I can try. You got it, Dave. I got it. I got it. Is that not the challenge for you? Like how, how or why are you saying that this is going to be a tough list? I, I think part of it is like, I don't remember individual episodes that well, if that makes sense. Do you so, have internet access? I do. I do. And and, and it will, it could take some research, but yeah, I mean, I, I would love to be able to just sit down and say, you know, Oh, Hey, yeah. I mean, and I, I'll be honest. I know a cup two off the top of my head, um, but then I've got other shows that I like, and I'm like, well, surely I like one episode in there, but I would have to kind of go back and half watch, half see, you know, kind of. Oh, well, is that the one I'm thinking about? Is that really, you know? Um, so that that would be the challenge. But no, I'm, I, I mean, I could get there. I could get there. It may just be a, a little challenging. I have to do some research. Um, I'm sure I'll forget some really good ones, but uh, yeah, we'll see. See what we got. Yeah. So as you guys assemble your list, keep, keep me posted as to how big the list is getting. And if it does go beyond 10, like I said, we can expand it, but here's the thing. Even if we keep the ranked list to just top 10 or, or even if we expand it to top 15, but beyond that, it gets harder and harder to rank. We can just have like just a, a bucket of, honorable mentions that don't necessarily have to be ranked. Um, and we can just kind of throw them out because I, I'm, it might be tough for me to narrow down to, to 15 or 20 shows, Ooh, but wow. I've already thought about this a little bit. And I think I know what my top 10 are. It's, it's actually ranking them and actually ordering them. That is a tough part. Todd told me it was at this point, he got confused and started thinking about top 10 shows, not top 10 episodes. It's shows that are easier to narrow down. Episodes are harder. Why the f*** should I care? They're not going to ask me for my opinion. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Andrew, take us on out of here. This is your episode. Oh, yeah, guys. Uh, what's what's the same? I forgot. I forgot the same. Uh, what do you say, Dave? <laughs> Whatever makes you. Whatever makes you a discerning geek. Thanks for listening. Good night, guys. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I've enjoyed talking with you about the movie. Enjoyed the movie. and uh, But enjoy our time together even more. Glad we can do it. And can't wait for our next episode. Peace out. Star Wars reference. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. May, may the Force be with you. Always. Designing <sighs> the portal, portal. We are the most discerning around without any racist guitar songs. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I don't know that it was racist because it was actually like, you know, the person who's singing it is doing it from the perspective of the poor person who's having to work on the boat. So it wasn't like, but it was interesting that they, it is, we consider it such an upbeat mood song, you know, it's like, oh, come Mr. Tally man, tally me. So he can't leave until he reaches his tally. So that's why the tally man has to come and. And actually, I think the tally is they basically have to stack it almost above their head. So, you know, like six feet of bananas, bunches stacked up on a boat. Um, you know, so they work all night. And see, I didn't like the song in the first place. So now I actually feel a little bit justified. What? That's a great song. What? It's fun. What? <laughs> I don't like the song. I don't like the scene. I don't like bananas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, really? You got to, you got to have like you. like banana a, bread or something. You got to have you a good old peanut butter mayonnaise and nanner sandwich. Yeah. Oh, oh, I don't oh, like mayonnaise either. Oh, <laughs> that's not good. Oh, that's the best. You take <laughs> no. this last cup pieces of bread. You put peanut butter on one side. Put mayonnaise on the other. You slice some banana, put it on there, slap it together. Mmm, just like Elvis oh. intended. <laughs> Elvis? No. So. Beetlejuice is summoned by just saying his name three times? That sounds stupid. Yeah, it's stupid, but it's just a movie. Get your jacket. Our Uber is almost here. I have to use the bathroom before we go. Yeah, stupid. <clears throat> Brie Larson, Brie Larson, Brie Larson. Hello? Matt Damon, Matt Damon, Matt Damon. Anyone there? Lucy Lawless, Lucy Lawless, Lucy Lawless. Well, it didn't hurt to try. And Joanna? Yes? While I was in the bathroom, you tried to summon the chick from Captain Marvel, didn't you? Justin. Or, maybe that other chick from Xerox Warrior Queen? It's Cena Warrior Princess. And, it's 2022, don't call women chicks. I tried to summon Matt Damon too, but don't tell my brother. He still thinks I practiced witchcraft just because of the way I used to dress in high school. I won't tell anyone about that, or that you need an Uber because of how many glasses of wine you've had while both doing your job and looking after me. How much is it worth to you? Here's $10. Have you heard of inflation? Fine, here's $20. i am beginning to see why your parents can't get anyone else to babysit you. <laughs> 